Unmet for us was always about helping founders, helping underrepresented founders or uh, founders that are in regions where people are not really looking at them. People are not really paying attention to them. And, And Unmet was always founded on that idea of meeting an unmet need. Welcome to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media. And as always, I will be both your host and your bartender today. Today, I'm speaking with John Francis, founding partner of Stout Street Capital. It's a Denver-based VC that's focused mostly on post-revenue seed to series A investments, but it's in startups in underrepresented parts of the country. So think middle of America founders who don't always get attention from coastal investors. And Stout Street is the creator of the Unmet Conference, which brings together VCs and entrepreneurs from the middle of the country so that there can be more investments made in this segment. Well, we've talked a lot in season three about pivots that 2020 has demanded. And a lot of this has been based on this new work from home or remote work era. Uh, And we're talking a little bit about a different pivot. So John realized in 2020 that there was a big opportunity to expand upon the term underrepresented, uh, not just geographically, but to those underrepresented founders who belong to diverse groups. And belonging to a diverse group himself, John came up with the idea of Unmet Founders, which was a first-time conference for Stout Street, bringing together VCs and founders who associate with a diverse background. And so there was definitely a light bulb moment in 2020 that John and I are going to dive into. And he can talk about how not only did he come up with the idea for Unmet Founders, but how he executed it in a virtual only format. So grab a drink and join me as I speak with John Francis from Stout Street Capital. Hey, John, welcome to SaaS Half Full. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Now, I understand that you chose a a lovely drink kit called the Stargazer that has not quite arrived to you on time, and I apologize for that. I was hoping that we could share a cocktail today, but alas, I'm drinking alone. Here we go. (laughs) I am uh, diving into something pretty easy. It is a black cherry, truly. Before we dive in, I do want to make sure everybody has a basic understanding of what it is that you do, who you are. Um, and what Stout Street does. So at its most basic level, John, can you just give us a quick overview of what is Stout Street Capital and why does it exist? So Stout Street Capital is a a seed stage fund based in Denver. We are currently on our second fund right now. We manage over $20 million in asset center management. So you're fairly small, uh, a micro fund, if you were to call it. We invest primarily in companies that improve efficiencies in existing markets. We are sector agnostic, we are region agnostic, but we tend to focus our investments in the middle of the country, uh, outside of the valley in New York. Uh, We also do investments in Canada. Currently, we have about 54 companies in our portfolio between Fund 1 and Fund 2. We are actively deploying out of Fund 2, and we are looking to raise Fund 3, I think, early 2022. What made you guys have that as your focus? To be candid, I would say... Focusing in the middle of the country is strategic uh, for us, primarily because we are located in the middle of the country. And as you could tell, investments in the coast are very, very competitive, right? Most VCs compete on a lot of these terms. 
because there's a lot of concentration of companies, there's a lot of concentration of VCs in the coast, uh, we feel being regionally located in Denver, we will not be competitive in those coastal markets. The other reason is we feel companies in the middle of the country have always been underfunded and undervalued. And that's where the biggest potential is to invest in VC and to get outsized returns. Uh, And being a small fund like ourselves, making a mark for ourselves in in a crowded marketplace is pretty hard. And, And what we found was the best bet for us was looking at companies that are literally under the rocks and companies that most VCs don't even look at. I feel like five or eight years ago, you know, it was all these specifically Midwestern um, or maybe Southeastern cities, you know, bubbling up. And it was the the Silicon Valley of you know, North Carolina or Silicon Valley of the heartland. And you don't see so much of that anymore because now nearly every mid-market city has a tech hub, right? Has a, a city of founders. But um, to your point there, there is no shortage of unique ideas um, and companies that are coming out of uh, sort of that middle of the country area. What 2020 has really brought front and center is this idea that ideas are not bound by regions and ideas are not bound by, okay, is this idea uh, in Silicon Valley or in New York? The ideas could be anywhere, right? You could have a good idea anywhere in the world and if you can find funding and you can fund it and you have a really good founder with a long-term vision of growing and sustaining that business, that business is going to succeed. And that is the fact there's decentralization happening at a global scale. Uh, and I feel like we are the forefront of it by investing locally. And is, is South Street your first foray into venture capital? Is this something that you've built your career on? What was your journey into VC? I started my career in, in construction uh, as a management trainee. And being a management trainee, I was, I was tossed to work in every department from warehousing to legal, uh, which allowed me to understand all the intricate details uh, about business. And this allowed me to analyze large public companies and how they're valued. And eventually that led me to pursue an education in investments. And I started my MBA program at at, at Tulane. And while pursuing my MBA, I used my experience. I consulted with many, many businesses and state entities who eventually became LPs in my fund. I was able to start a really small fund. Oh, while I was still in college. So I put my own money in and based on backed by that success, I was able to co-found a high frequency derivative trading firm uh, in New Orleans. This venture actually eventually failed because the rest of the co-founding team had to return to their home countries because none of them got work permits. So it, it came to a quick demise in, in 2016. I had to move on and, and started working for a family office here in Denver uh, and helped manage their alternative investment portfolio, uh, which included uh, a good amount of early stage companies. My colleague at that time was the other partner at the firm, and we eventually formulated thesis and a framework to start Stat Street Capital. And being in Denver really helped because, as you may know, Denver Boulder is, is a very collaborative ecosystem where the ideas are free-flowing. There's diversity and thought. 
And there's this give first attitude where people are open to sharing how they invest. I feel like where we are played a huge part in it. This idea of, and I guess in the Boulder community, of being a very open investment community, open with ideas, uh, that really is what you've carried on to Stout Street because you guys came up with the Unmet Conference. So in addition to having your own microfund and doing your own investments is you thought, why don't we bring together what what you considered maybe these underrepresented companies in the middle of the country with a bunch of different other investors for pitch event. So tell us about how the idea of Unmet came about. The idea of Unmet came about because we as Stout Tree, we work with close to 300 other VC uh, firms, similar in size, mostly small funds or small micro funds across the country. And, and that's how we are able to invest in all these different regions all across the country. On an average, we look at four, three to 4,000 companies before we invest in maybe 10 in a year. So there's this large volume that we need to see. And, and that for sustaining that, we need to collaborate with a lot of VCs all across various different regions. And what we saw in all these different regions all across the country, most of these regional hubs, as, as you can call it, they didn't really have downstream capital or access to downstream capital. So most regions maybe had one or two Series A funds or two or three Series B funds, and which is not enough for, for companies in that region to get funding. So access to capital is, is a big issue. And we saw that as, as early stage investors. We wanted to address that problem as a group. So collectively, uh, we spoke to all these other seed funds that we work with and said, hey, how can we help? How can we improve this? And the conference, the conference idea was fairly organic. Initially, we thought, okay, why don't we promote all our portfolio companies, about 3,000 of those? And that's how we started. And the first Unmet conference in Denver was focused purely on all the portfolio companies of all the seed stage funds. This conference will be a place where we can showcase it to all the investors all across the country. So you have a critical mass of companies. So we wanted to showcase about 40 to 50 companies all in one location. The idea was to create that critical mass of high quality companies. So it'll be undeniable for investors to ignore it. Uh, It'll be really, really difficult for them to ignore. If you don't participate or if you don't look at them, you're probably missing out on the next crop of high growth, high performing companies in the middle of the country. Most of my guests this season on SaaS Half Full were or SaaS leaders that talked to me about pivots that the new remote environment has demanded in 2020. But what we're talking about with you is something a bit different. We're talking about the change catalyst for Stout Street this year was more surrounding the emotionally charged racial climate, which led to the creation of a different type of unmet conference this year. Talk to me about this conference. So going remote, uh, was the first pivot for us. So figuring out how we change from being an in-person event to a completely virtual event and doing that fairly quickly because we didn't change our schedule. So we still went ahead and hosted the event on a completely virtual platform called Cumbrae's. 
which is a pitch platform for founders to reach investors where they could record a short intro video about their company and they could talk about themselves. So we went from hosting an in-person event to hosting everything on this platform where everything is a short form video, very similar to Instagram stories. And we were able to replicate a similar experience for the investors. But that was the first leap. And, and the second was like around about the same time, I'd say around May or June, is there was this national conversation about race and diversity and equity. And that really perked us up because for Unmet for us was always about uh, helping founders, helping underrepresented founders or uh, founders that are in regions where people are not really looking at them. People are not really paying attention to them. And, and Unmet was always founded on that idea of meeting an unmet need. The events in May and June uh, acted as a catalyst for us to think beyond just being underrepresented regions. So we started looking at it as how can we help underrepresented founders, women uh, entrepreneurs who are looking to raise capital? Because as you can see from the data, these founders don't get a lot of capital. For various different reasons, they don't get enough capital. But all the data suggests that they overperform the general population, in many cases, two to one. And we thought we need to create an event that exclusively showcases diverse and women founders and why they should, why investors should pay attention, why they should invest. When the events of May and June happened, I think it made all of us take a look at our own businesses in a different light. And, you know, one of the things that, that we realized as a business is, is that everyone that works with us feels like it is a highly inclusive place where everyone's voice is heard equally. What we realized is that externally, we were missing a, a very large opportunity to elevate diverse voices. And it's something that we are very closely paying attention to and creating a plan around for 2021 because we didn't want to have a knee-jerk reaction that appeared token-esque. So I'm curious how the first conversation went with your team. Was there any trepidation that it might seem like you were taking advantage of the of the current climate or that it maybe would seem like it wasn't authentic? How did that first conversation go? I think it was easier because I myself, coming from a diverse background and being a diverse founder, I understood the need for it. And our portfolio kind of reflects our values. And for us, Unmet Founders was more than just an opportunity. I mean, we are not making any money out of uh, hosting an Unmet Founders conference. What we wanted to create was create a platform for founders who are having difficulty fundraising because I, coming from that background, understand where they come from, understand how difficult it is to raise capital, how difficult it is to go raise that seed or angel money from your friends or family. Because unlike the general population of founders, diverse and women founders have greater difficulty raising capital, even from their own family members. It is a tough conversation. But we feel like we had to start somewhere. And I feel like this was a good reason why we had to do it. We didn't see it as like, oh, are we taking advantage of the situation? 
we felt like this was a national conversation that needed to be addressed, and we wanted to contribute in our own small way. You had talked about the challenges in switching to a virtual event versus physical. What were some of the keys to success for this event? We always baseline performance based on historical data. So we are always recording outcomes. For Unmet Denver, the ideal outcome is like, how much money did we raise out of Unmet Denver? And we tracked that information for over six to 12 months after each event. And what we found was for every single connection that happened, and for each investor connection, we were able to raise about $100,000. So for Unmet Denver, we had about 600 connections, and which ultimately led to about $60 million in capital raised. Something similar with Unmet Arizona, where we had 100 companies. I don't remember the exact number, but we were able to raise about, so far, about $55 million, uh, for Unmet Arizona. So cumulated in the last 12 months, we have raised over $150 million for Unmet events and for founders in the event. Unmet founders so far, we think will raise at least 10 to $15 million because the makeup of Unmet founders was predominantly seed and pre-seed companies, their earlier stage, and stage that we invest in. So we invested in a couple of companies that came out of Unmet founders. So we'll contribute at least about 3 to $4 million into the new companies that are coming out of uh, Unmet founders. And we anticipate at least raising 10 to $15 million which is a really good goal for uh, for a first-time event. You are no stranger to, to throwing events. All right, you've thrown a handful of unmet events now. Is there anything that surprised you or that you learned about yourself through unmet founders? What surprised me was uh, the amount of enthusiasm among investors and among founders uh, for, for an event like this. Uh, if, when we started unmet we didn't know what what it will look like there was a huge amount of uncertainty and what surprised me was investors really especially with 2020 uh, and us going virtual i was not really sure how that's going to play out what really surprised me was how investors were still engaging with founders how investors were still even if they're not investing with these founders volunteering to mentor them. And also founders through 2020 didn't lose hope. They didn't say, okay, I'm going to stop raising capital. I'm going to go into this low burn, low churn mode where I'm going to save as many customers as possible and fire employees and reduce my burn and go into a low growth mode. They still went ahead with their growth plans and a lot of them have succeeded. It was really encouraging to see how many early stage investors you were able to pull together for the Unmet Founders event. I'd be curious, John, what advice you might give to maybe later stage VCs with larger funds who are looking to invest more time and money into companies with diverse founders? I feel like they do need to talk more outside their own networks because what I what I see with later stage VCs is this abnormal risk aversion where they tend to invest in people they know, tend to pe- tend to invest in in people who look like them, think like them, and speak like them. So it, uh, there's this aversion or this 
this thing that I would not invest in something that I'm not totally familiar with, or I would not invest in anyone outside of my network. And usually there's not a lot of diversity in that. And it's hard to break into those networks for founders who have a diversity of thought, who are not coming from the same backgrounds as they are. It becomes really difficult for them. So if they're listening to me, I would say you need to open your eyes and open your ears for more diverse thoughts and more listen to people who don't look like you, who have not done the same things that you have done. Right. It seems so basic, but I I love that advice. It's become more comfortable with getting out of your comfort zone. That's when great ideas and collaboration happen and really love that advice. John, to close us out, are there any specific trends that you're seeing heading into 2021 with middle of the country investing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like larger and larger VCs are definitely paying attention to the middle of the country. Obviously, one of the one of the large ones is the Revolution Fund, the Rise of the Rest movement led by Steve Case. He's definitely pulled a lot of eyeballs away from Silicon Valley and, and drawn it closer to the middle of the country. And and also, what I feel with with talent, most of these talent moving away from the coast and, and settling in in places that they grew up in. I feel like Silicon Valley has been complacent for a long time, right? So they felt like they can always attract new talent. They can always be this cradle for new ideas. That notion, I feel, is falling apart or that myth is falling apart. And more, more VCs are getting educated about this trend where companies are getting started in places that no one would have thought of, in cities that no one would have thought of. Just because of what, what's happened in 2020 has a lot of positives as well. Like 2020 has opened the door for even small cities to become large tech hubs eventually by hosting large, large, potentially public companies that, that start off as private companies. That trend, I think, is going to continue where that decentralization of power and decentralization of talent concentration is going to accelerate, I feel, in the next decade. And that's what we are hoping for as well. And Unmet and Stout Street, I feel, is going to play a pivotal role in the next decade. I certainly hope you're right. I hope that we see nothing but acceleration in, in deals in the middle of the country. Um, we, we live smack in it. I'm in Indianapolis, so would <laughs> absolutely love to see it. Uh, well, John, we end every episode with a, a toast. Do you have a signature or a favorite toast that you can send us out with? I'll just say cheers and stay healthy and happy. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. And thank you for joining me on Sassnap Full. Thanks again to John for joining me on Sass Half Full. We did send John a Stargazer cocktail kit. Unfortunately, it had not arrived to him yet, but the Stargazer sounds oh so delicious. It is passion fruit, tart hibiscus, and ideal for sipping fireside all season long. Get you some. If you'd like a cocktail kit delivered to your door, we're going to help you do that. If you go to cocktailcourier.com, and enter code SHF15 at checkout, you'll get 15% off of your order. We are uh, heading into 2021. I know most of you guys are working from home, so give it a shot. 
cocktailcourier.com and enter SHF15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks again, everybody. And until next time, bottoms up.